Welcome back to another skelly skelly edition of ghost stories told from the south. I am your host, Stephen Lebooth, <coughs> and this is episode 103. Don't get too scared now, because Stephen's got some creepy stuff for you tonight. All sorts of stuff. Mm-hmm. All right, I'll stop being weird and stupid. But this is Ghost Stories Told from the South, ladies, ladies and gentlemen, my ghouls and guys and whatever, and my spooky friends, my scary friends. How the hell is everybody? I hope you're having a great, great springtime. Hope you're telling some good old stories by the fire, telling some urban legends, some real stories, fake stories. You never know. But yeah, man, I'm glad y'all are here, man. Hope everybody's having a great week. Mine's going pretty good. Can't complain, I guess. But, yeah, it's going good, man. Going uh, pretty good. Cannot really complain at all. Um, yeah, so I hope your week's going great and going pretty spooktacular. Well, like I said, um, this is uh, Ghost Stories Told from the South. I'm your host, Stephen LaBooth. Got some great stories. Uh, if you're listening to this on uh, YouTube, don't forget to hit that sub- subscribe subscribe button because there is a video I'm putting up for this one, guys. So, yeah, I'm not wearing a hat on this one so you can see my ugly dome, see my bald head. <coughs> but my glasses make me look ravishing, baby. So, with that being said and done, I think I'm going to, for the two-year anniversary, I'm going to try something big to talk about for a good hour so i'm gonna dig in and dive into something just mm, skelly skelly so yeah i'm gonna do some research see what's really good and thick and juicy i can sink my hands into so so i'm gonna get in the old man spots what the fuck that's why i don't like video cameras unless i have that anyways we will quit the bs and we'll get ready for some scary stories guys so why don't you get you a blanket, cover up, get you some coffee or some cocoa, relax. It's time to get scared with ghost stories told from the south with Stephen LaBooth. Okay, our first story is the Robinson Woods in Illinois. Alexander Robinson, also known as Chi Chi Ping Koi, was the chief of the Potawatoma. Now, if I'm screwing these names up, I'm very sorry. Potawatoma, Chippewa, and Otowa at the end of the at the time of the Fort Dearborn massacre. This land, which which is now a forest preserve, was given to his family in a uh, graduate in a oh, given to his family, guaranteed for uh, saving American lives during the massacre. In addition to Alexander and his French wife, Catherine Cavalier, several of the Robinsons' kin are. Uh, buried here in large granite memorial markers the uh, entrance to the burial ground 
when the city of Chicago annexed the land during the construction of the Ohio airport. It promised Robinson's soul-living distant relatives that he could be buried with the rest of his family when he died. However, the city broke their promise. Some local folklore folklorists believe that this might have been the beginning of the haunting. Ever since the 1960s, visitors have reported hearing sounds like drums and chopping coming from deep in the woods. The secret of the freshly cut flowers also has been smelled even in the uh, dead of winter. Ooh, that's weird. And here's some more stuff. It is named after the chief. Okay, America, we know that. How the forest was, it was named after him. And it's basically saying the same thing. Oh, wait. Here's, here we go. This act of the tribe made the spirit of Robertson Woods angry. That's why they say. And his spirit is visiting the forest. In spite of entering, in spite of entrance getting closed for visitors in the evenings, you are a screaming bump. You are here, might hear some screaming, bumping, and wallowing of people around in the forest. So. <laughs> this right there is a good example of karma, guys. So remember that. If you're going to fucking do something and you give them your word, don't bullshit them. Do it. Do what you told them because that's why that place is haunted. You quacks. But a lot of that happens when city officials step in and want to take money and tear stuff down or whatever. But I've seen a familiar story about this before. I can't remember what it story, what um, what show it was on, but it's kind of like the same thing. These people uh, told these uh, people that own the land when they built the airport, they would move their because uh, they had some kinfolk there, and it dated back to like the eighteen hundreds. This is like land that's been in the family for years. They sold its part, and it had the cemetery on it. Well, the deal was they were supposed to move move them. Well, they didn't. And come to find out how they found out about it, because on the airport they marked the three markers like in white lines on the airport as you you know coming in if you're flying an airplane, and people kept wondering what the spots were. Where and people got to digging up and come to find out that's what they were, and all they did was move move the tombstones and keep them there. They marked that so if something ever happened and they had to dig there, they'd know there's bodies. So then, following that, they did more research and found the develop, developer of the land and all that stuff, and they found the tombstones in his motherfucking driveway, sitting in the garage. So. It's just karma, man. Don't do that stuff. It's going to come back and haunt you or your family. So, okay. We got another story. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm all bumpity bumpity. All right. Our next story is about the Randolph Forest. Everyone from the town knows about Bicycle Eddie. In the tragic events 
which unfolded one uh, one could oh okay which unfolded one cold late autumn evening the result was murder suicide and a missing body still thought to be buried in a shallow grave somewhere amongst those woods our first meeting of uh, September 12th of September. Our first meetup of uh, spring 2012. It went spectacular. We had members in attendance repressing three different teams from the U.S., Canada, and over 200 gathered to experience the local legend of the haunted woods of Randolph of Rudolph Maine of Randolph Maine. That's crazy. So they had a meetup in 2012 and they had people from the US and Canada there to experience this. And then it says we had since we had sensitive and spe- uh, skeptics working into a dual session with a ghost box. We had a physical meetup, a, uh, oh, we had a psych, a psychic meetup uh, member in attendance who shared his thoughts on what he thought happened to a few areas of the walking trail. And his information confirmed that MGH septic approach using our equipment and investigative tools yielded uh, some pretty interesting results. If you're ever in the area, visit the uh, uh, Randolph Woods in Maine. You uh, ought to stop by. Locals do say it's very haunted. So, if you're ever up around Maine, (coughs) go check this out, man. Now, this one's going to be kind of thicky. But I think I've... Okay, now, I've told the story about this town. But I didn't know this town was in the middle of these woods. So, bear with me. I have to talk about the house. I mean, the the town I'm going to talk about in order order to talk about the woods, too. Because the woods are what's surrounding the old abandoned town. Excuse me, I did not mean to do that on the fucking microphone. Okay. All right. This story is... Who are you? The Dark Entry Forest in Doodley Town. Uh, Don't try and visit Doodley Town today, though. Oh, wait a minute. Oh. Oh, anyways, don't try to visit Dooley Town today because it is owned <clears throat> by the Dark Forest Entree Forest Entree Association, Entry Association. And thanks to the uh vandals of the area, they have closed it to the public. They are not afraid to prosecute. So watch out going there. You know, I think I screwed up. I should have went in here. Okay, yeah, I messed up. I won't read that last part. (laughs) Okay, here we go. 
The village of Dudleytown is located a few miles south of Cornwall Bridge neighborhood of, Cor of Cornwall. It's down in a valley known as the Dark Entry Forest. Thanks to the shadows caused by the mountains surrounding the village and its access road, the village was founded in 1747 by Dudley and doomed right from the start. But our story doesn't begin in Dudley in Dudleyville, Connecticut. Instead, we can trace the haunting history back to England. On April 24th of 1509, three days after the death of King Henry VIII, the new king, uh, young Henry IX, chose to let his people know that his reign would be different from his father's. He chose to arrest and prosecute his father's most notorious and unpopular officials. This included Edmund Dudley. The charge against Dudley was that on April twenty second he had a oh he had uh, conspired with with armed force to take the uh, government of the king and uh, in realm. These charges, uh, these charges were enormous. Edmund Dudley had thrived under the leadership of Henry the Eighth. Nevertheless, he was convicted in July eighteen fifteen oh nine. Dudley was imprisoned in the Tower of Le London, no, the Tower of England. <laughs> I don't know why I said London. Tower of England. While he was there, he made a list of people he believed he had been betrayed unjustly by the late government. He also wrote a treatise entitled The Tree of Commonwealth, in which he dispended the state as a tree upheld by roots of, uh, of godliness, justice, truth, concord, and peace. Doodly plot, doodly Dudley plotted to escape from the tower, and by August 15th, Henry VIII gave the order to execute. Dudley was executed on, the, on Tower Hill on uh, August 17th of 1510, what G.J. G. G. Meyer termed as a uh, cynical act of justice. Oh, a cynical act of justice murder done purely for political and propaganda uh, pursuit. At the time of his death, a curse was uh, placed on Dudley and his family. The curse stated that all the Dudley descendants would be surrounded by horror and death. Dudley was buried at London Blackfriars Epson at London uh, Wheatfires. I said that real heck of fight, didn't I? What fires? Okay, sure enough, the death ensued. Edmondson's son, John Dooley, wanted to control the uh, British throne. He arranged for his son, Guild Guildford, to marry Lady Jane Grey, who is next in line for the crown. After the death death of Edward V, Lady Jane was... Lady Jane became queen for a short time before the plan failed. 
at which time Lady Jane and John Dooley and his son uh, Clifford Dooley were all executed. God damn. When Dooley and other sons and military officers returned from France, he brought home a plaque that quickly spread to his officers and troops. The sickness wiped out a massive number of British 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 soldiers before spreading across, killing killing thousands. John Dooley's third son, Robert Earl of Leicester, made a decision to leave England, be, leave England behind, and travel to the New World. His son William settled in Guilford, Connecticut, and three of William's descendants. Abella, Brasilia, and Gideon, Gideon later uh, purchased a plot of land in Cornwall Township. <coughs> the purchased land uh, rests in the middle of three large hills. The uh, community grew with settlers tracking into the area. Farmers were difficult, but the discovery of iron ore nearby made uh, farming a secondary concern. With no stores, shops, schools, or churches nearby, supplies had to be purchased on trips to Cornwall. When a person died, another trip to Cornwall was necessary, as there was no cemetery either. So by 1854, a number of families living here was uh, the number of families living there was 26. Despite the hardship and the curse, the town seemed to thrive for a while. Uh, Dooley Town had timber which was bare, uh, which was burned and used to make wood coal for the Litchfield County Iron uh, Furnace in Cornwall and other other towns. Unfortunately, the uh, furnace was moved closer to the railroads and more indus- industrial towns and lumber was no longer needed. Dooley had three water power mills. Unfortunately, the mills also closed down due to the large trip down to the mountain to deliver the goods. There was also an unusual high death rate here in Dudley in Dudley Town. In addition to that, in addition in addition to that, a rather large number of people went in uh, unseen in the area. Some simply vanished without a trace. Three of the Dudleys ended up ended up moving out of the region, leaving only Abigail behind. She ended up losing. Hell, he ended up losing his entire uh, fortune when he went insane, and died in seventeen ninety nine at the age of ninety. Before the death of uh, of before the death of Abel in seventeen ninety two, his friend and neighbor. Garshon Hosteller was killed while building a barn at the home of William Tanner some time later. William Tanner also went insane. He lived in the uh, he lived to the age of 104 and was reported to be uh, slightly deemed or slightly demented at the time of his death. Prior to his death, Tanner would tell the uh, townsfolk of strange creatures that came out of the woods at night. Uh, 
It is believed that these creatures were symbols of his uh, of his uh, going crazy. In a uh, seventeen fifty nine, a a plague a plague swept through uh, Dudley Town, taking the lives of the Carter family, relatives of uh, Nathaniel Carter, uh, and. Nathel sadly, by the loss, moved to the Delaware, Delaware, Delaware wilderness in the heart of Indian Territory. It was there that Nathaniel, I'm sorry, Nathaniel and his wife and his infant kid were uh, slaughtered. Their other three children were abducted and taken to Canada where the two daughters were ransomed. David uh, Carter remained with his uh, captors, captors, married an Indian girl, and returned to the United States. General Herman Swift, who had served under George Washington in the Revolutionary War, had a home near Dudley Town. His wife, Sarah Fay, was struck by lightning and killed instantly while standing on their porch. The, gen- uh, the general went insane soon after that. Man, this whole town's fucked up. After uh, after after the Civil War, Dudley Town began to die. With many of the villagers picking up and moving on, one of the last residents, John Pat, uh, Patrick Bruffy, remained uh, there till 1901. His wife died in uh, of oh, his wife died of constipation. Yeah. A short time after her funeral, his two uh, children vanished into the woods, never to be seen again. Then the buyer's house burned to the ground in an unexplained fire. Just before Brophy himself vanished into the woods, he he, uh, he too was never seen again. The remaining homes began to fall into disappear. The forest began to reclaim the village. But there was still at least one more victim to fall to uh, Doodley, to the Doodley curse. Dr. William Clark, who came to Cornwall to fu- and fell in love with the forest and the quietness, he purchased a thousand acres of land of wilderness of Kentucky which, of Connecticut, which included Dudley Town. His constru- construction of a vacation home here, and over the next few years, him and his wife. Harriet Bank Clarkey visited the house for a week. Visited the house for weekends in the summer, until it was completed. It became a holiday house, and they ended up maintaining a second uh, life near Dudley Town until 1918. On one summer weekend, Doctor Clark was called away to New York on an emergency. His wife stayed behind in the home. When he returned, just 36 hours later. He found that she uh, had gone insane. She told him of strange creatures that came out of the forest and attacked her. Soon after, she committed suicide. The ghostly tales began to surface in the 1940s. Strange incidents, whispers, and apparitions were spotted in the woods. Overwhelming feelings of terror, mystery lights, sights, and sounds and even the feeling of being touched, pushed, and scratched had even been reported. 
Damn. That's a, that's a pissed off forest. Some researchers of the area refer to it as negative power spot or a place where it entails to enter this world from the other side. Well, that was a pretty good one. That whole land's messed up, but the whole story just because of the... I wonder if there's any people <laughs> that um, are still alive that are in the, the doodly... Uh, uh, and ancestors is what I'm trying to say. I wonder if there's any uh, kinfolk of the doodlies uh, still alive. That'd be pretty cool. You know, tell them, you know, your ancestor had a curse on her. Does this old family? That's messed up. Sometimes I wonder. Yeah, okay. Sorry for the silence. Any more stories I got left? One, two. All right, I got a couple here. All right, I got some more to do. We're going to take a little break, and we'll be right back. Well, how's everybody doing today? This is good old friend Uncle Dickie from Borderline Texas Trash. The most popular podcast in the world today. It's climbing up the charts faster than freaking slime on a stein, baby. Well, if you're wondering, what the hell is Borderline Texas Trash about? And who is it, some bitch Uncle Boo? Well, Uncle Boo is the most recognizable voice in podcasting today, baby. We're going to get funky like a monkey on some ton of greens. I'm coming in on white lightning, baby, on a silver saddle to bring you the best of Borderline Texas Trash, baby. I'm your host of the show, Uncle Boo. We go over everything. We do a little bit of politics at the end, but not much. I don't step into that bullshit a whole lot. But we have fun. I go over stupid world news of the day, talk about uh, stuff from the past, what the cost of living or stuff was like that. And we just talk about all sorts of fucking fun facts, do a little joking around. And my niece joins the show sometimes. We do a little segment called Ash Handy's Garage on Friday nights, baby. That's our live show we do sometimes. And then I got the uncle that I talked to down in uh, Booseville, Louisiana. And he calls sometimes. And we have a little show called Uncle Dickie's Kona. So you guys come check out Texas Borderline, Borderline Texas Trash, baby. I know you will love it. We are on every platform you can think of. Spotify, Stitcher. Pandora, iHeart, uh, I mean, we're on everything. We're even on Podbean, man. We even got our own YouTube channel. We even got an Instagram account, and we got our Facebook account. So go check us out, man, and come listen to the show. You'll get to listen to Ash Handy, Uncle Boo, Uncle Dickie, and all the most recognizable voices in this motherfucking podcast in the world today, baby, because we will get funky like a monkey, I guarantee it. Let's just say, baby, I've wine and dined with kings and queens, slept in dumpsters, ate pork and beans, baby. But I am your host of the show, Uncle Boo, Borderline Texas Trash. Don't forget about it. If you want to listen to a show to just get your mind off this crazy world and all the COVID and politics bullshit, <coughs> come check my show out. Come check me and my crazy family out. Some of the shit we do, we do live uh, shows from the barbecue. So I'll see you later. 
Bye. Well, I hope you like that commercial. Hope you're still watching out there in YouTube land. <coughs> and I hope you're still listening out there in podcast land. But our next uh, one we're going to go over is the Morgan's Monroe State Forest. This is in Indiana. If you are ever in the area of the Morgan Monroe State Forest in Martinsville, Indiana, you should consider stopping. The haunted cemetery named Steps Step Cemetery, this haunted cemetery is located relatively close to the Bloomington to Bloomington, Indiana. Developed in the early years of the 1800s, this particular point of land has been known to be haunted by the locals all the all th- throughout history. If you visit the visit in the visit the dark ominous ominous if you visit this dark ominous little cemetery in the heart of the Morgan Mon- Morgan Monroe State Forest. You will find that the entire the entire area appears to be with uh with appears to be overwhelmed with general paranormal presence where you will learn the uh tragic stories that surround the haunted cemetery. This is a basically I gotta tell you about this because this cemetery is right in the middle of this forest, so uh, we're okay. The first story is is that of a of a mother who had a baby that she loved very oops that she loved uh, very very much. Sorry, I'm gonna adjust. That she loved very very much. She was so delighted to have a child that she spent a great deal of time with the baby. Eventually, the child passed away. The mother struck with a. Uh, with the mother struck with grief, they burned the baby or they buried the baby at the cemetery, and it's rumored that she uh, that she rarely left the gra- rarely left the grave. It came to pass that the mother passed away and was buried next to her baby. There are several accounts in which they see that see accounts in which individuals have visited the land that the graves are on have said that they see what appears to be a ghostly figure lingering around the small grave of a baby that was buried there. Just think, guys. You're walking through this dark cemetery in the midst of a large tree's projecting shadows over the graves and hearing the cries of women out of nowhere. Ooh. As you turn to look around and try to find the person who seems to be overwhelmed with grief, you need nothing. Believe it or not, many different people have actually experienced stuff in the cemetery. Not only they have they experienced it, but they have claimed that the they have claimed that there is a big dog that lingers in the graveyard and seems seems to protect itself over the grave of the young lost boy. Mm. Feliente vesting. 
<laughs> Here's another story. There once a once was a religious cult or a satanic cult that was referred to as the uh, the Crabites. These individu individuals would often gather in their common re re uh, common religious belief and engage in a multiple of unusual activities. Many people claim that they that the Step Cemetery was often the location that they met and the, the met, that they would meet and start doing their uh, satanic activities that conceded uh, of the uh, whole group that consumed the whole group. In addition to this, it was believed that they spoke in tongue as a means of communication for their gods. Many have claimed that they have heard what sounded like chanting and may have seen a spirit that may have been part of their group. You never know. Okay, well, there are several different stories that are circulating about this particular cemetery in these woods. The individuals who engage in the ghost haunting have claimed to capture some unusual phenomenon in this area, inside and outside of the cemetery. So this whole place is haunted, guys. Go check it out for me. Sorry, I had to get a drink of coffee. I'm coming in on a red eye tonight, man. It's late. Okay. See, we got one, two, three. All right. Okay. Let's get their next stories going. Okay, our next story is of the Angela National Forest. Back in the 1900s, Angelia, the, back in the 1900s, Angelia's National Forest became, okay, forest was home to the thriving small town, over than a thousand people. The mill was a, was a, sadly, oh, sadly, was a beacon for disaster. It got uh, hit by a big, uh, <clears throat> big hurricane in 1911. And yes, in Texas, they get hurricanes. We get them coming off the coast, off the Gulf of Mexico. Um, where was I? Hurricane, hurricane, 1911. Okay. It got hit in 1911 by a hurricane. Then, 1914, a fire broke out. And then after that, residents uh, started abandoning, abandoning the area, leaving behind a tiny ghost town. The abandoned site is an eerie feeling in itself. But rumors of paranormal, but rumors of the paranormal up that creepiness factor a few notches. Hikers have claimed to hear the uh, disembobbed screams of of a young woman. They say who was uh, there 
Oh, okay. Of a young woman. She was a former resident of the town who was killed in a freak accident while visiting her boyfriend in the sawmill. And a few people have spotted her ghost wandering around the, uh, this, the, the, uh, abandoned mill. Okay, now this one says, uh, it's an old sawmill stands in the Brighton Springs area of this eastern Texas town. And it goes to saying, now here's something else. Uh, hikers can, they say hikers have heard the disembobbed screams of a woman. And how she uh, got hurt. Somehow she fell into the saw, supposedly. So, yeah, but that's what they would do back then. They'd make a big sawmill because that's where they would make the wood to build the houses and stuff. So they'd go out and chop the trees and bring it back to the sawmill and chop it all up, get it ready to settle the people or give to the people or build whatever. And yeah, that's what happened there. Okay, my next one is going to be a pretty good one. So, let's take a little break. We will come back. I'll drink a miss some coffee and be ready. You ever look up at the sky at night and look at the stars and wonder, are we the only ones really out here? Have you ever wondered how much our government hides from us? Have you ever wondered... Why so many mysteries go unsolved? What really happens? What's the clues? What's the evidence? Ever wonder if Bigfoot or Mothman is real? Then, if so, come listen to this podcast called What's Really, really, out, really there? out There. And I am your host, Stephanie Booth. And, and I am your father. co-host, Stephen Booth, Hafaja. And if you're into UFOs, Unsolved Urban murders, mysteries. unsolved murders, mysteries, uh, unexplained stuff that happened, urban legends. We're into all of that. Conspiracy stuff, too. We go dive into that. So if you're looking for a new podcast that tells that kind of stuff, then you uh, need to listen to what's, what's really, really out, out there. there. And we are on Spotify and iHeart and Pandora, I think. But we are pretty much on every platform mm -hmm. we have a youtube channel too or channel so go check that out it's called what's really out there so come check us out once again i'm your co-host stephen booth and i'm your host stephanie booth and this is what's, what's really, really out, out there. there we'll see you at the next episode guys <laughs> well this will be our last little story of the night it's a pretty good one, I think. <laughs> okay. This is the Clifford National Forest in Amboy, Washington. Okay, we're going to I'm going to go tell you about the real life ghost story. Oh, it's not Clifford. Never mind, it's Gifford. I'm a dumbass. It's Gifford National Forest. Okay, Gifford 
the ghost story of Gifford Pinchon, one of the fathers of the National Forest and National Park Systems. And his uh, ghost bride, Laura Huntelling. Gifford, Gifford and Laura were very much in love. And, sorry, okay, we're very much in love and were engaged to be married. And fortunately, Laura had tuberculosis in an age before the discovery of antibiotics. Before the couple saw their, uh, could say their vows, Laura scumped or fell to or. Laura fell to her illness and died. Pinchot was deeply, or Gif, Gifford was uh, deeply wounded by her death and wore nothing but black from head to toe for two years. He also refused to acknowledge that his love was gone from his uh, life. He, ins- he insisted that her ghost remained with him and was able to to communicate with her any time he was alone but but it was not the end of the uh, love affair not by no means at all guys one rela- one relationship was gone another started up without her body her passing gifford tried to explain to his parents was nothing more than a temporary separation. Barely a month after Laura died in an apparition, anyways, he described as a light or later as a full woman revealed itself to Gifford. He recorded it as a medieval uh, mystic would uh, write about a miracle. Gifford even claimed to marry Laura in a private in private in a private moonlit cement uh, a fi- <laughs> Gifford even claimed to marry Laura in a private moonlit uh, ceremony somewhere in the Sahara- in the Saharas. Man, talk about being in love. That guy was in love. Two years later, Laura's death. Okay, two years later, after Laura's death, Gifford stopped wearing black. His mood improved. He was uh, buoyant and uh, skipping his step in love. And a newly and newly married to Laura, she appeared often that spring in a glowing light. Gifford feeling the uh, mystical hand of a Laura and God at at oh a God at this, at the same time. There was one which perhaps was very was a way for Gifford to find his paranormal experience into his traditional protest upbringing. The union was uh, now sealed, and God in God's sight, my lady. And our husband and wife. Okay, this guy's really kind of weird. 
Gifford uh, believed his ghost wife was with him everywhere he went. He mentioned her often in his journal, and when he traveled the uh, forest with friends, he often uh, snuck away from camp to be alone with his uh, spectacular bride. Uh, Laura died in, eight, in 1894, and Gifford refused to marry another woman until 1914. Wow. That's crazy. Well, they say that's the ghost who haunts the place. It's her, and they say there's uh, people have seen it, images of him. So, yeah, that's kind of a... Uh, that that's love right there, guys. You cannot knock that. But that's where a lot of good ghost stories come from is because of love. Well, I hope I didn't scare you too much tonight on this great, great episode. But hey, for real, guys. Oh God, I just want you to kind of help me give me an idea, something I can do major big for next week's show because it's my big one where it's. My two-year celebration, so 104th episode. God, two years of doing this, but I'm loving it. Excuse me, my numbers are getting bigger and bigger every year, every day, so more and more followers. Just want to say you guys are awesome. Love you, appreciate you. Listen to this on YouTube, hit that subscribe button. Same thing on Spotify, whatever you're listening to me on right now. Hit that following button, now you'll get all my notifications when I do stuff. <clears throat> and go check out my uh, Facebook page, Ghost Stories Told from the South. I'm trying to get more engaged in that and involved in that because I know that helps me out. But I'm working on it. I'm trying to do more. But it's a pretty cool site. Go check it out. Uh, we're on Instagram, Ghost Stories Told from the South. So send us a DM or something. Tell us your experiences or whatever, and we'll talk about it. But I think I'm done doing forest shit, guys. I'm kind of burnt myself out on forest and stuff like that. I'm just going to go back to doing uh, just doing regular shit like I used to, you know, so do that for a, for a while. I just wanted to mix it up for a little bit, keep you on your toes, but we will uh, get some good stories for the next one. So this has been Ghost Stories Told from the South, and I have been your host, Stephen LeBooth, and I hope you had a skilly, skilly time tonight. But this has been a Booth Podcasting production. We will see you guys later. Next week, baby. Year. We've been here two years. Going to be kicking off ready for season three. It's amazing. Can't believe it. Well, we will see you guys later. And uh, have a great skelly skelly time. Now, don't get too scared. Remember, turn the light on before you go in the room. Look under your bed. Look under your car. You know, because that one guy might be there going, thanks for the ride, lady. But I will see you later. Be good.